I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Harlan Krumholtz, a professor of medicine and public health at Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Krumholtz has written a perspective article on a condition of generalized risk that he calls post-hospital syndrome. Dr. Krumholtz, you describe a period of vulnerability after patients are discharged from the hospital that seems to be caused by aspects of the hospitalization itself. Sleep disturbance, disruption of circadian rhythm, poor nutrition, pain, dealing with multiple unknown people, medications that can alter cognitive function, deconditioning from bed rest. Why has this syndrome not been recognized before now? Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me here, and thanks for the question. You know, I think that we've been so focused in general on the reasons that people come in the hospital that in some ways it's obscured our view about what's happening to them after they leave. And so we spend a lot of time making sure they get through that very difficult early period of the hospitalization. Look, our focus is on helping them survive and get through acute illness. And as they begin into the recovery process, we're thinking very hard about the things that, that led to the hospitalization, and we're trying to help them make a safe recovery. And so when it became apparent to us that readmissions were quite common after people leave the hospital, that one in four, one in five patients end up back in the hospital within 30 days, and recognizing that these are the result of acute adverse uh, medical events that occur to people with a very high frequency, it was sort of natural for us to turn back to the reason that they came into the hospital in the first place and think if we could just uh, help them uh, in that particular area uh, bet more, better, that perhaps we could help them have a successful recovery. But there was an observation, uh, at least that occurred to me in our course of our research on readmission, that that really led me to think about this a little bit differently. And it was the observation that people who come back to the hospital within that 30-day period are coming back for a whole range of, of adverse medical uh, events, and not just the reason that they came in the hospital. In fact, the reason they came in the hospital in the first place always represented a real minority of the reasons that they were coming back subsequently. And they were coming back, if you came in with heart failure, yeah, about a third of patients' heart failure was the reason for the readmission, but two-thirds included things like infections and trauma and metabolic disturbances and renal disturbances and, um, and coagulation problems and whether it was bleeding or clots. And, and it was a whole range of things. And then you start looking across other conditions, and you're seeing exactly the same thing. And what you're noticing is that across conditions, that is, across reasons for the initial hospitalization, there's a great similarity of things that are bringing them back in the hospital. And it got me thinking that, you know, what I think we're observing here is an acquired transient condition of high generalized risk for virtually all medical problems. And that what we've done is perturb these patients' physiologic systems. We've depleted their physiologic reserve. They've had an exceptional amount of allostatic stress. And the result is that they're in this period of weakness, vulnerability, susceptibility, and then that's what we're seeing, really, in this period. And surely uh, these tra- efforts to improve transitional care, well, you can probably mitigate some of this and all of these things. The quality of the care is important. But, but I think we're missing that, that they've acquired a condition during the course of hospitalization that leads them to be in a period of great susceptibility. And that maybe to help them succeed in their recovery, we need to recognize that there is a, a different way we need to approach this than we have in the past. 
You note in your article that nearly a fifth of Medicare patients who are discharged from a hospital have to be rehospitalized within a month. So is this mainly a syndrome of the elderly, or does it apply to patients of any age? Well, it turns out that uh, for being for virtually anyone at any age being hospitalized for a medical condition has a really substantial risk of readmission. And actually, among the patients 65 and older, uh, age isn't really related to that risk. Patients have about the same risk no matter whether they're 65 or 70 or 75. If you look at younger populations, the readmission risk tends to be a little bit lower, but it's still quite substantial. And you're seeing, you know, one in six patients being readmitted, again, after for people who've been admitted with medical conditions. And, you know, again, if you put it in this construct, and this is a theory I'm putting forth. I mean, this is a, a theory of an illness, as I'm beginning to think about this, that I hope others will, will think about and study and that it will begin some public dialogue on. But I think if you even took a healthy person and you put them in the hospital and you then, you know, disrupted their sleep cycle, you, you sleep-deprived them, you, their nutrition wasn't very good. You started giving them medications which could perturb their cognition and physical function. You deconditioned them. You put them under uh, extreme mental stress. You know, sometimes you're putting a patient in a, in a room with another patient who is very sick. Sometimes the patient next to them can die. I mean, these are extraordinarily stressful situations, not counting what their, their own illnesses. So I'm saying if you put even healthy people in this and then you, you sent them out, they would be in a sort of period of disequilibrium, both physiologically and cognitively. And I bet that, that you'd see bad things happen to those people, too, because they'd be making mental errors or, or just they'd be susceptible to health care problems. So I think both on the readmission side, we're seeing, as it stands now, if you empirically analyze the data, that these readmissions are high across age ranges. And I think the problem that I'm describing is one that's not just localized in the elderly, although their reserve may be less, so their ability to, to absorb this allostatic stress may be less, but I think it's something which could affect everyone. Although everyone may be vulnerable, do you think that there are pre-hospitalization risk factors for the syndrome that one could identify? Well, I think there, it's likely that we could stratify risk for the degree to which patients who leave the hospital might be susceptible, but they might be different than what we have traditionally thought of. When we try to create risk models to predict readmission based on the severity of someone's disease, the thing that brought them in the hospital in the first place, or even their comorbidities, we have found time and time again that these are not strong predictors of who has problems after going home in that 30-day period, who needs to be readmitted and has adverse uh, medical events occur to them. And it may be because the things that we need to think about have to do with their physiologic reserve. I mean, what is their baseline cognitive function? What is their... How strong are they? What is their constitution and sort of um, what it, how resilient are they? I mean, because people who are in a weakened condition and maybe borderline cognitive function, already a little bit weakened, when you put those people at bed rest and you expose them to stress and you start perturbing their environment and giving them medications and doing all the sorts of things in the hospital which can challenge them, I, get, I would guess that maybe they wouldn't uh, handle it as well as someone who comes in who's um, sharp and strong and has that reserve. But, you know, these are all testable hypotheses. At this point, I'm throwing out these ideas that this may be something that we need to look into, and we may need to be looking at non-traditional risk factors, because if this is about allostatic load and stressors that occur in the hospital from a wide variety of directions, then one of the things we may want to know is 
the uh, essentially how frail, uh, what how fragile uh, are these individuals? What's their reserve like, and what have we got to do in order to protect them in the environment of the hospital while we're treating their acute illness? Do you know of hospitals or or even countries and health systems that do a better job of avoiding rehospitalization and this syndrome? And how do we know these things? Well, you know, I mean, it, uh, the, in terms of the syndrome, I'm. I'm just putting it out there now, so I, there really haven't been any discussions of this uh, before. When we look across healthcare systems, readmission, this problem tends to be fairly constant across systems. There has been some suggestion that, that hospitals or health systems that have longer lengths of stay may have a lower readmission rate, but that may be because um, over a period of prolonged convalescence, there's, th- these patients are spending sort of quiet time in the hospital when there really isn't anything going on and they're almost virtually boarding. And it may be that some of these effects are mitigated during that period where they're under direct observation, but they're, they're not being stressed as much. I, this is something that's worth looking at. But I can tell you that so far when we've looked across healthcare systems, this problem of a high risk, of a high generalized risk over the period of 30 or more days after the hospitalization seems to be fairly constant. And if what I'm suggesting here is true, then it may be, again, an issue that is going to cross healthcare systems and have more to do with whether the hospitals are in tune to, to lessening the stresses the patients experience. How much of the solution do you think involves better coordination between hospitals and ambulatory care clinicians? And if, if it's important, then will ACOs, accountable care organizations, be a reasonable model to solve this problem? Well, again, if patients are leaving the hospital in, in, a, in a period of great susceptibility and generalized risk, then keeping them connected with the healthcare system so problems that do occur can be preempted if possible or at least mitigated is likely to be important. But also recognizing this puts a little bit of a different spin on what people have been thinking about because it's not just, again, trying to link someone with heart failure with a cardiologist. But it's about saying, you know, when a heart failure patient leaves the hospital, they are at extremely high risk for a wide variety of health care problems in the next 30 days. And so we have to be sure not only that we're, you know, connecting them with a specialist in the area that they came in the hospital with, but we have to be prepared to keep in close contact and, and be able to understand when uh, they may be threatened by certain uh, health events and to help them. So I think in this healthcare promotion idea is going to continue to be important. Probably transitional care quality can help mitigate and assist people who are in this weakened condition. But I think the real key is going to take a more holistic view of the patient and their risk and to think about what we can do to, to prevent problems and to protect them during this period. If the way I've been thinking about it now is if you were to go out on the street in Boston now and say, I can identify 100 people who in the next 30 days are going to have something so uh, important, so catastrophic happen to their health that they're going to require hospitalization. I mean, you would invest a lot in saying, I've got to protect these people. I mean, I don't even know a group of people out in the community that would have a one in four, one in five chance of having something so bad happen to them in the next 30 days that they'd need to be hospitalized. But we have been so focused on, well, they were even higher risk a week before when they came in the hospital, we sort of take a deep breath and say, wow, you're, you're healthy enough to go home. But we, we're neglecting this issue about saying, wow, 
this is an extraordinarily high-risk group. And if we're going to think about ACOs and, and connection with ambulatory care, we've got to do it in a way that, that takes into account their generalized elevated risk and make sure that we can be, have a good response and support for them during this period to keep them safe. So what are the first things you change during a hospitalization to reduce the likelihood of post-hospital syndrome? Well, you know, if this theory is right, then it has a lot to do with the stressors that people experience during the hospitalization. And it may get back to sort of first principles about how can we make sure that people get the rest that they need? How can we make sure that we are keeping them active and avoiding deconditioning, which particularly in elderly patients can occur quite rapidly? How can we pay real close attention to nutrition? And how can we make sure that people remain oriented? I mean, a lot of the principles here are ones that have been implemented in programs to prevent delirium where you make sure people remain oriented, that you try to calm down the environment, you try to be cognizant of the interruptions, and the scheduling is set up so that, that, that it's very patient-centric. But we, we realize that for sick individuals that it doesn't take a lot of stress to really throw them off balance. And, you know, I've sort of equated this, you know, many of these patients, it's like going home with the worst case of jet lag you can ever imagine because they're just, you know, in a period of disorientation. And to us, further evidence of this is if you interview patients who have gone on from the hospital about a week later and you ask them, why were you in the hospital? We found, at least in New Haven, uh, despite the fact that we're very good at checking off the box for education, that about 40% of the patients have trouble telling you in any sort of coherent way why they were in the hospital. And it seems to us that the messages that we're giving in the hospital don't stick. But if you understand this as a sort of a period of, like, disorientation, then it becomes, it starts to make sense. So I think that if this theory is right, and I think it's at least worth testing, we would really say every one of these patients when they go home is, uh, you know, needs, in, it needs to be prepared. They need to be strong and rested and nourished. And it's, you know, we're trying to shorten hospital stays, but that means from the very beginning, we have to be paying attention that the little things may really pay off. And we need to try to reduce stress for them while at the same time we're tending to their acute medical problems. And then after discharge, is there anything that you, the physician, can do? Is there anything that the patient, him or herself, can do to reduce the vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, I think we ought to be both educating the, the clinicians and the patients about what this period is like. They've just left being treated for, you know, usually one or maybe two acute problems that brought them in the hospital. But... When people go home, I think we need to say to them, you're now entering a phase of really elevated risk. You've been in the hospital, things have been perturbed, and for the next 30 days or so, you know, there's a period of time where you're at great risk for falls, accidents, infections, whole range of healthcare problems. I mean, you probably shouldn't be driving or doing things that require high-level cognitive function, you know, for the first week or two while you're recovering from this. I mean, we, we need people to appreciate what recovery really means and what kind of investment needs to be made into successful recovery, which includes, again, the things we're trying to do in the hospital, we need to be prescribing for them when they get home. You need rest, nutrition, you need to, be, you know, you need to increase your levels of activity and, so that you can do more. You need to you know, get support in the um, kind of activities that you do. You probably shouldn't be driving, perhaps even, in that first week as you kind of get your strength back. We need to be able to develop recommendations, if this theory is right, that helps people make the proper recovery that they need and get their balance back. 
and recover from not only the acute illness but the stresses that were they incurred during the course of the hospitalization. And then I think it's also a matter of coordinating with the clinicians to recognize that it's not just a matter of tuning up the heart failure for the patient who presented with heart failure, but it's a matter of being alert for a whole range of healthcare problems that are consistently emerging in these patients during this period. And by the way, when we talk about one in four or one in five patients being readmitted, we're not even talking about the even larger number of patients who are seeking acute care through the emergency departments. So we're just talking about the people who, who, who bad things happen to who need to come in the hospital, but there are plenty of uh, more people who encounter healthcare challenges in those 30 days, maybe another 20 or 30% <clears throat> who end up coming to the emergency department who don't get readmitted but have had healthcare challenges which, which are impeding their recovery. So I think when you put it all together, you see that this period after discharge is very high risk. Lots of things are happening to these patients. And I think, again, if this theory is correct, that we need to start thinking more holistically about how they are in this period of great susceptibility, very high risk, generalized risk for a wide range of medical conditions. And it's going to be up to us to both work in the hospital to, to produ- produce a, a less toxic environment, one that's more likely to leave them strong and ready to go home when they do, and one on the outside that's ready to also uh, support them in their recovery effort and recognizing and respecting that that recovery takes some time for them to get back on their feet again, not just over the acute illness, but of the effects that have occurred subsequently from the hospitalization. Thank you, Dr. Krumholz. Thanks so much, Stephen. I really appreciate it.